It was an epic showdown. The epitome of competition. It had been planned for and thought about and prepared for for months. Two sides pitted against one another. In the most primal sense, the coaches had prepared them as best they could. They had brought out every motivational tactic they could imagine. Strong, encouraging speeches. Reward systems had been established. A reminder that this particular event could shape their futures. The trash talk had gotten a little out of hand. One side claiming victory weeks before the event ever happened, and the other retaliating with newspaper-worthy clips of no victory is ours. The lead-up to it had been talked about, had been discussed. And there they stood, across the line from each other. The day had finally arrived. In just a few minutes, they would know who the winners would be. In just a little bit of competition, it would be known beyond any shadow of a doubt who the better team was. Who the ones who were going to be victorious were. The preparation, the sweat, the blood, the tears, all that had been put into this moment was going to culminate in a final decisive victory. And luckily, we had someone in our congregation there to witness it. And they were field level, and we have video today of the competition. It's exclusive. You won't see this anywhere else in the world. I want you to see what happened when that day arrived and the competition finally started. Play it again. There we go. All right. Tug of war. Anybody ever been to a field? I know when I was describing the event, immediately you thought Madison Creek Elementary first grade tug of war competition, right? Anybody ever been to a field day tug of war competition? Anybody here? Like those things are intense, right? Now, I don't know if you could tell in there, that was our very own Stacy Barnett's class. Stacy cheering on her team, and it was starring, among others, the passionate forceful Madeline Grace Larson uh, in the near anchor position. Actually, she was in the middle of the rope where they kind of put people that they don't really, you know, that they're not worried about how strong they are at that moment. But have you ever thought about what makes tug of war, what makes it so appealing? What makes it that thing that people gravitate towards, that at a field day competition, it causes normally respectful, respectable adults to do things like yell and scream at kids, right? Like, I've been there, and I've been encouraged to be the parent that's the cheerleader, and you're looking at them going, Paul, now! Like, your veins popping out, like, that moment. What is it about tug-of-war that causes that to happen? Good answer. Somebody else have one. What's about tug-of-war? What do people like about tug-of-war? It's teamwork, all right? What else? What? It's primal, right? Like, there is that primal sense of, like, like this is just 
us against them. It's easy to see what's going to happen. We're pulling with all of our might. There's this like human nature from way back that just kind of comes up in that moment. All right. What else? It's simple, right? Like you don't have to spend 30 minutes explaining the rules of the game. You grab a rope and you pull, right? I mean, that's it. There's no pass interference or icing or uh, there's no dispute about referees' calls. There's a place in the middle and when it gets over the line, it's done. There's this simplicity to it. Also think, and this is the really cool thing for me as we talk about this series, is that it shows the power of what a group of people can do that get completely focused on one goal and one idea and they pull together towards it. I mean, the whole point of tug of war is for you to get your flag across your line and everybody on that team is pulling for that one purpose here's what we want to do over the next few weeks and today's going to kind of be an introductory moment for this i'm going to tell you a story about how we kind of got here and then we're going to look at a verse of scripture and a couple of things that i want us to begin to do together but what i want to do over the next few weeks is ask this question if we are going to be the church that god has called us to be if we're going to do what god has called us to do if we're going to be the church that we should be What are those things? What are those elements? What are those ideas that we must, as a congregation, as a group, as a church, as a people, pull together for? Now, let me just say real quickly, I am not calling for us all to think exactly alike on every issue. The reason I'm not calling for that is because that's not going to happen. Right? I mean, you've heard me say before that in a relationship, if two people are exactly the same, one of them is unnecessary. Right? Now, don't uh, tell your spouse that in an argument this afternoon or anything, right? Like, we need differences of opinions. But when it comes to church life, there are some things that we need to pull together on. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to talk over the next few weeks about what it means to pull together. What that looks like for us. And we're going to look today at Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 and following for a few minutes. To kind of remind us of what it is that as a church we should be. And I want us to think about it in terms of our purpose. If I walked out there today and I said, hey, what's, what's, what's our purpose? What's our purpose as a church? And there may be some of you that have been here for a couple of weeks, three, four weeks. You say, oh, I have no idea, no idea. And that'd be perfectly good. There's some of you that have been here for five or six years and you may not know. Some of you have been here for 10 years and you may not know. If you've been here 10 years and you don't know, then that's on me. All right. We have a purpose statement. Some people have said, what's our purpose? Some people would come with a Bible verse for me, Acts 1-8. Acts 1-8 is important to the life of our church. We're going to talk about it today. Acts 1-8 is the strategy by which we achieve our purpose. But our purpose, in case you want to know, as you walk out of the sanctuary on the wall to my right, your left, is, a, is just a phrase, one sentence that says that we exist to glorify God by leading people to become passionately devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That we exist, that our reason for being here, our purpose for being here, is that we exist to glorify God by leading people to become passionately devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to kind of break that idea down, biblically asking the question, okay, what does that look like going forward? 
Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Those of you that have been around church or been around the Bible may know this. Those of you that haven't may not. But Matthew chapter 5 through 7, what is it generally called? It's called the Sermon on the Mount, right? It starts with the Beatitudes. It's the lengthiest, longest portion of teaching that we have from Jesus. Jesus kind of goes on a lot of subjects, a lot of areas. Uh, it is considered the greatest sermon in the history of the world. Um, it is very short. When you just read it five through seven, that probably ought to tell us something, right? It's a great message that weaves in lots of ideas. And right towards the beginning, he wants to clarify for the people that are listening who they are. What their identity is. And so in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now think about this for a minute. It talks about salt. Now when you think about salt, what do you think of? You think of seasoning, right? You think of making something taste good. Salt in their day was used, get this, for seasoning, making something taste good. It was also used to preserve things a little more than we use it today because they didn't have refrigeration. But the idea is that we are to be the people who preserve society in the shape and the image that God intends and that we are the people that are to flavor society with things that only God can provide. That our lives ought to be more joyful. Doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have more money, we're going to have nicer cars, we're going to have a nicer place, but our lives ought to be more joyful, more content, more hopeful than anyone else around. And as a result, we give seasoning or flavor to those around us. He then switches to another metaphor. He says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. He goes on to say, in the same way, let your light shine before men, before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. And so he gives two metaphors. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Now, a couple of things I want you to notice as we think about that, and then we're going to shift into kind of a, the personal thing for us as a church and ask a couple of questions and talk about some things that we need to pull together on. First of all, what I want you to notice is he doesn't say you might be or you could be or if you choose to be, you have the option to be. He says what? You are. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He is not saying it's an option out there for us. What he's saying is that this is who you are. And sometimes as a church, we look at the world around us and we ask the question, how in the world did we get to where we are? We see... Um, crime and immorality and racial division. We see people being mistreated and the poor never getting a chance. And we ask the question, how in the world do we get this way? Well, here's what I want to tell you. I know there are lots of socioeconomic, lots of political factors, lots of things out there. But can I tell you what at least a big portion of the answer is? The salt and the light is not doing the work that we've been called to do. The world isn't to be the salt and the light of the world. Your neighbors that may not know Jesus are not to be the salt and the light of the world. Who is called to be the salt and the light of the world? The preserving and seasoning agent, the one that shines in the darkness to show truth. Who is called to be that? It is the church of Jesus Christ. 
It is you and me that are followers of Jesus. That is our job. And so when you look at the world around us, it's easy to complain about all that is going wrong in the world. But some of the blame, some of the responsibility for that comes from the fact that we have not been doing our job. And so the question began to rattle around in my brain over the last year, over the last year and a half. What does that mean for us? What does it mean to be salt and light in a community, in an area, in a portion of this world? What does it look like for us to be salt and light with the reach we have into Los Angeles and into the Brazil and into Chile and into Lynch? What does it look like for us to be the salt and the light of the earth? Now, if you're a guest with us today, you think, man, I walked in on a wrong day. And we are. We're going to talk about some church stuff. We're going to talk about family business. But here's what I want you to understand. If you're here as a guest, it's a perfect time to be here. Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about this. It'd be a perfect series to come to. Because you can have an understanding of what is the church trying to be at First Baptist Goodlettsville. This is what we aspire to. This is what we want. And here's the thing. I originally had about a 20-point sermon. And I decided to cut it down. And all of God's people said... Amen, right? So I just broke it up into four weeks is what I did, all right? So you're going to get a 20-point sermon in four weeks. But the truth is, I want to be part of a church, and I want to pastor a church that is being the salt and the light that God has called us to be. A year ago, um, in September, it's actually a year ago in about a week and a half, two weeks, I was at a conference in downtown uh, Nashville. It wasn't a conference that was generally about church growth or about your identity as a church. I mean, they had a, like one session about that, but I wasn't even a part of that. It was a, a place about the kind of the inner workings of church life, about uh, structuring in church life, about how you train and structure people in leadership positions and in staffing positions and how you think about that and how you talk about succession plans and all of that. It was a conference really about the, the inner workings of church stuff, the stuff that happens at your business that nobody goes out and talks about because it's not the fun stuff and this is one of those administrative kind of conferences and all, what the idea was was on one day we had a conference all day speakers all day and then the next day they had what they called coaching day which is where people from the conference would get in smaller rooms with a guy leading them and you would talk about how you're going to make this inner working structure kind of work in your church and so we've been talking through some things, and I thought it's a good. It's in Nashville. Um, they had an early bird rate, and so I went. And great conference. But what I came out of that conference was, was nothing really compared to what they wanted us to come out with. I remember sitting there. It was the coaching day. I was sitting at a round, one of those white round tables, around the table with people I'd never met before in my life until that moment. Churches all over the country: Oregon, um, New England, Florida. We literally had the four corners of the United States at our table and then me right here in Nashville. So as we started to talk around the table, God began to speak to my heart about nothing that was going on in that conference. And it's it's one of those things. It's hard sometimes when you have an experience where the Lord speaks to you or where things happen. It's hard to communicate it because when it comes out, it almost sounds like out of your mouth like, oh, that's all that happened. But it was a pivotal moment in my life and in my journey here at First Baptist. So I was sitting there and I just had this thought. I was sitting there thinking about kind of milestones and dates. And this was a year ago. And I thought, well, you know, next next August is 10 years at First Goodness. Well, that's awesome. It's been a great time. But I just remember the Lord whispering this thought into my heart as I was there. He said, it's been a great 10 years. 
And then he said something to me that I have spoken in this room a few times, but this is the day that it came to me. He said, if the next 10 years of your ministry look like the first 10, the church won't survive. I was like, wait, 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 that's not, like, things are going all right. Lord, things are good. Now I began to hear about all the changes that are coming to this area and that the, the statisticians and all those people say that in the next 10 to 15 years, this area of the country is going to change as much as it has in the last 50. Demographically, people moving in, size-wise, building out development, business, it's going to expand. And so I began to ask the question, Lord, okay, what does that mean? And he gave me a very Abraham in Genesis 12 answer. He says, I'll show you. I was like, all right, I'm ready. Let's go. And he says, in time. And so for the last year, I've been praying about, I've been seeking. We've been as a staff. I shared this with the staff literally almost a year ago. Several of our staff gathered around talking about this. We began to read some stuff. We got to pray together. We've had some people come in and help us to think through what that looks like, what that means, how that looks like in our context, in our culture, in our area of the world. We've had some people actually come and visit our church as secret shoppers to ask some questions, to look at some things, to help us to evaluate and begin to ask the question, what does it mean to be the salt and the light Of this area for the glory of God. And I'm more convinced today than I've ever been that there is an opportunity here to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ that we haven't had before. This church has been around for a long time. 1903, a group of people gathered under a shade tree to talk about starting the Goodlettsville Baptist Church. 1903. That's like 114 years ago. It's been around for a long time. Those people under that tree could never have imagined the impact this church would already have had in the world. There's no way they could have imagined sitting under that shade tree that one day we'd be in a beautiful facility like this where people come, 400 people a week come, and we talk about Christ and we share life together and we worship together. There's no way they could have imagined that. There's no way they could have imagined. I mean, they could barely, they had trouble getting transportation to Nashville. They could not imagine what it was like to go to Brazil or to Los Angeles on a regular basis. To be able, as we did last week, to take up an offering and $6,000 can go directly to helping people within the week. Within the week, we can be helping people in Texas and Florida with hurricane recovery. There's no way they could have imagined that the thousands of people that would have been baptized in this church because of its ministry for the Lord. The people that have been sent to mission fields and into pastorates that have come from this church or grown up in this church and then has been sent out into the world. But there's no way they could have imagined also the opportunities that are before us today. And what I don't want to do is to be a pastor that misses as a church the opportunities we have. Matthew chapter 5, to be the salt and to be the light. I love how the message paraphrase puts this. I don't always quote the message in here because sometimes it's the paraphrase is kind of weird, but I like what he says here because I think he gets the essence of what's happening. So in Matthew chapter 5 of the message, it says, let me tell you why you are here. I just love that. You want to know why you're here? You looking for your purpose in life? You're looking for your identity in life? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Can I tell you that this tells us what you're supposed to be doing with your life? This is the reason you're here. Whether you're here for another five years, another 50 years, you're just getting started or you're on the backside of it. This is your purpose in life. You're here. 
to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and wind up in the garbage. He says, you're the salt. If you don't do it, who will? And I love that phrase, the God flavors of the earth. Like there's stuff out here that people need to experience that godliness will bring us the joy, the contentment, the hope, the future that we have. We are the ones that are to let people know that it's there. We are the salt that bring up the God flavors of the earth. A couple of weeks ago, I was, uh, we were going to grill out one night. And so I went to Publix to get steaks um, and all the stuff to kind of go with that, baked potatoes and salad, all that stuff that we do when we grill out. And while I was there, um, I was walking towards the steak aisle. And on the end of an aisle, they have a new place at Publix, at least the one over um, by where we live, that has like a local flavor ingredients. And so it's various sauces and mixes from restaurants and areas around Nashville. And one of the places I like to go eat is Martin's Barbecue because it's good West Tennessee barbecue. Like pig, West Tennessee, and they have barbecue bologna, which is amazing. All right. So I love it. My, my dad, most of, many of you know this, my dad is like a master griller smoker. And so it tastes as close to, it's not my dad's, but it tastes as close to my dad's bologna as I've ever had. So I go, I love going there. And while I was in the, looking at that, I thought it was kind of neat. They had Martin's seasonings, like three or four different flavors. And I thought, what? Maybe we put that on the steaks tonight. I'll try something different. And so they had one that was seasoned salt. It wasn't like for dry rub for ribs or for uh, barbecue and salt. Man, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get that. And so I got it. It's in a cute little package, you know, because it's Martin's hipster, cute, all that stuff. And so I get it and I bring it home. I put it on my counter. I'm like, man, that is going to be awesome on my steaks tonight. It's going to be awesome. And so I get the steaks out, get them all prepared, get ready to put them on the grill. I'm looking at my salt like, man, that is going to be awesome on the steaks tonight. I just have a feeling it's going to make them taste good. I go out, I put the steaks on the grill flip them over it's great come back in salt still sitting right there on the counter i'm like man that would have tasted awesome on the steaks tonight i didn't get it on there it doesn't taste like the martin seasoning because the martin seasonings where still in the box there are a whole lot of christians still in the box we're not living our lives where people can interact with us and to have the god flavorings of this world And if we're going to be the church that God's called us to be, the first thing that's going to have to happen is we're going to be in the world being the salt seasoning, the ones that brings out the God flavors. But then it says this, this is the message paraphrase. He tells them, secondly, here's another way to put it. I do like that about him. He's just like, here's the second thing. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. We're going to announce it. We're going to proclaim it. We're going to yell it. We're going to let people know. He goes on to say this. If I make you light bearers, which he told them they were, I'm not going to hide you under a bucket. I'm putting you up on a light stand. I'm going to put you there on a hilltop, a light stand. And if I do that, then shine. And then he finishes by saying this. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Now, I love that last part because here's the point. The point of being salt and the point of being light is not to get a pat on the back and not hear people say, man, good job. Man, you are the salt of the earth. Man, you are the light of my life. The point is for people to go, man, you serve a great God. 
We exist to glorify God. And so here's the thing that I want to end with today. And this is going to be five quick points. You're like, yeah, they are five quick points. All right. This is what we need to pull together on in the future. And we're going to break these down a little bit more over the next three weeks. But these are five things that must be a part of who we are as a church. We need to be pulling together same side of the rope, same intention, same purpose if we're going to see God move. And the first thing is we've got to believe God. We've got to be believing God. What do I mean by that? I mean that this isn't going to happen without him. We are not going to impact our community. We're not going to com- impact our region. We're not going to impact our world without believing God is a God who works miracles still today. That he is in the nature. I mean, he is in the business of doing the miraculous and the supernatural. He still works miracles today. And we need to believe Him. There is lots of stuff that we could plan, that we could work, that we could work through. All this internal stuff we could get around and rearrange and get things going this way and that way. And if God is not a part of what we're doing, it will fall flat. Because only God can change this world. We've got to believe God. I'm asking you to begin even now praying, God, help us to believe that you are going to do something and give me the wisdom to see it as it happens. Secondly, we're going to have to learn to gather to scatter. To gather to scatter. What I mean by that is that every week as we gather in this place, the purpose of your Christian walk is not to get here on Sunday and be a part of this group of people and that's it. That if all you do in your Christian life is this hour on Sunday morning, these two hours on Sunday morning, if that's it or you these two hours and when you're together on Wednesday night, then you have missed the point of what it means to be salt and light. If all we do is gather here and don't do anything else with it, then we are the Martin seasoned salt sitting in the container while the world out there is flavorless and flat. But the point is that we have to be intentional about scattering to the areas around us. You know what's interesting? We'll talk about this more in the weeks ahead. But what's interesting, as we think about the people we're reaching and where we're going, what we find is we are called First Baptist Church of Goodlettsville, and yet the people we are reaching are not predominantly living in Goodlettsville. Did y'all know that? Like, how many of you live outside of Goodlettsville? You don't have a Goodlettsville address. Look at that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? It means we're already scattered. Now, here's the thing. If you're scattered... Then you ought to be making an impact in other places. Madison, Greenbrier, Ridgetop, Hendersonville. We've got to be intentional about how we scatter and what we do. You need to live out where you are, what you believe. And you say, well, I try to do that, but you know what? I just, you know, I don't, I don't know that I do a good job of it. Here's the truth. I read this this week and I loved it. How you live trumps what you believe because how you live is what you believe. And so how you're living shows what you truly believe. We've got to gather to scatter. Thirdly, we've got to invite. You know how people are going to end up coming and hearing the message of Jesus, being engaged in worship, being a part of a small group where they can share life together? Do you know how that's going to happen? You're going to invite them. Can I tell you, this is, this is kind of real personal for me for a minute, all right? Can I tell you what really was a part of that prompting for that moment and meeting with God at the Pipeline Conference last year. About a week or two before, we had an event here. I don't know if you remember this, but we had an event here at this church called Invite Your One. How many of you remember Invite Your One? Right? And you remember we talked about it for like a month. We talked about it for a month. We're going to invite people. You wrote down names. Some of you brought names up here on there. You put up there, okay, this is who I am. This is who I'm inviting. All it was was we want you to invite one person to come to church this week. One person. 
Find somebody in your life, invite them to come to church. This particular day, we're going to do a, a service that's geared towards, towards people that are visiting. We're going to do everything we can to make that in a moment, a day that, that is celebrating. We're going to bring them. So you, people brought commitments. Now our first clue should have been that we average about 400 people on Sunday morning and we got about 100 cards of names that people were going to invite. So that's a quarter. I understand there are a lot of kids downstairs, but even some kids filled it out. Invite your one Sunday came. We had planned for it for, we had planned for it for months. We had talked about it for weeks. We came in on invite your one Sunday and it was our lowest attendance in 18 months. 18 months. Now, I don't read too much into one particular Sunday's worship because here's the reality. Our church has the weirdest attendance pattern of any church I've ever been a part of. I mean, it is weird. Like January is supposed to be a terrible month. January is one of our biggest months of attendance. I mean, we, we service around 30-something, 38 schools, 39 schools between our kids' ministry and all the way up through high school. And so when spring break and fall break hits, we, we're scattered all over the map. We, I mean, I, in our church, we're affected by fall break from like September 15th to like November 15th, right? Like in the entire fall. And so people up and down and in and out. And Mother's Day is huge for us, which doesn't make sense for us. Uh, it's just a crazy attendance. So I don't, I don't read anything into one particular attendance day, generally. But I think it does say a lot on that day. Everybody else that had run the program, we were part of a group of people doing it. They had 20%, 30% more. We were 30% under normal. God began to break my heart in that moment. I've shared that with deacons. This is just a personal moment. When you're a pastor and you plan that kind of thing and then you show up and that happens, you're like, man, something went wrong. And if we don't don't create a culture of invitation, first of all, we're not doing what God's called us to do. Can I just tell you this? It's okay if people tell you no. They may hurt. They may feel like rejection. It's okay if people tell you no. It's not okay if they don't get asked. We're going to have to pull together on that. Two more things. Fourthly, generosity must remain normal. You are a generous church. A generous church. You give. Time, talent, money, you give. Last week, most of you didn't know we were going to do something. I stand up, I say, we're going to take up an offering. You walk out the doors, over $6,000 given on the spot. Last year. Alan Sight from Gillswell Elementary comes over and says, man, we've got this program we can't fund. We really think it would help our kids. we got to fund it. We don't, the Metro won't fund it. We don't know how it's going to be funded. We need it funded. We took an offering. It was funded in the first service. I got a call from the International Mission Board two years ago. We gave $15,000 more to the Lottie Moon International Mission Offering at Christmas. If you don't know what that is, it just means that it goes to missionaries. We gave $40,000, $15,000 more than we had ever given in the history of our church. I got a call from the International Mission Board and they said, Hey, we want to talk to you about the strategies you used in order to increase your giving by that much. I said, Well, I can tell you the strategy I ask. Like I stood up and said, Hey, they're sending missionaries homes. We need it. Give. And you gave. You're generous. But can I tell you this? To do what God's called us to do in the future, it's going to require more. It just is. And we're going to need you to be generous with your time, with your talent, and with your money. And here's the last thing, and then we're done. We've got to pull together on keeping our message clear. Here's what I want to tell you about what God is doing in my life, in my heart, as I'm thinking through what the future looks like. 
As he's talking through our staff, as we're looking, there's a group of people kind of coming together and talking about these things. Let me tell you, there are a lot of things on the table of what might could change, what needs to change, what might happen, what could happen. There are lots of hypothetical stuff. We're going to talk about that some over the next three weeks. But I can tell you this without a doubt, as long as I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church, Goodlitzville, Tennessee, there is one thing that will not change. And that is the message that we proclaim will be simple and to the point. And it is that God loves us so much that he sent his son. That whosoever believes in Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life. Our headline, our lead story, our message is one name, one person, one Lord, one King, one way. It's Jesus. And there may be everything else on the table to change. And I mean everything else may be on the table to change. And the reason is, is because we have the hope of the world and people need to hear it. The one thing that will never change is that we focus our church and our lives on Jesus. Now this isn't new. I know it's not new because I took a picture on the way into church this morning. I want to show it to you. This is the corner of our church. Some of you may have never seen this. It's right out here as you're pulling through the, the main uh, place the hanging and it's the cornerstone that was put in 1966 51 years ago and it says jesus christ himself being the chief cornerstone this church literally has in its cornerstone as a foundation the name of jesus and the cornerstone the foundation of whatever we do moving forward is going to be jesus because we believe that there is only one hope there is only one way there is only one person that can save this world and it is jesus and so i will be proclaiming we will be proclaiming the name of jesus for as long as i am here and everything else is all on the table to be changed the message won't but our methods must and so over the next three weeks we're going to be praying about thinking through asking the lord to show us what it means what are those things that we need to pull together on in order to see his will accomplished and i want you along for the ride now here's what I'm going to do. We're going to have a time of response here in a minute. And, and I'm going to be very specific about um, how I want you to respond. All right? There are a couple of ways I want you to respond. One is, I'm going to give you some homework. And all of God's people said? Yeah, that was, that was more excited than I thought. All right. As you leave today, they're, they're going to be, hopefully we have some people out there, they're going to hand these out. If not, they're on the welcome desk. It's just a piece of paper like this, and it says, Prayer God for September 10th through 16th. The one way I'm going to ask you to respond is to pray daily for what we're talking about and where God's leading us. And so it literally is one or two sentences at the most each day for you to read a short passage of Scripture and pray a specific prayer. I'm asking you to do that, to commit to that. The second way I'm going to ask you to do that, to respond today, is to pray. I don't have any illusions that this is going to happen for any other reason than the glory of God's name and by the power of His Spirit. And so, as the band comes in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and the band's going to come, and as they come, and as they play... I'm going to ask you to come and pray here at the front. Now, if you're here today and you're looking to join our church or you'd like to have a conversation with me, man, I would love to have a conversation with you about what that means, what that looks like. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you want to talk about that, man, I would love to have that conversation. But for many of you in this room, you're here, you're a part of this church, this is the place God has planted your lives, and it's time for us to think about what that looks like going forward. And I'm asking you to pray. 
And so I'm going to ask you during this time of response that you would come and fill this altar and pray that God, you can pray those five specific things. You're like, oh, I'm supposed to write those down. Just pray, God, I want those five things to happen. All right. God knows what they are. Pray that God will give you the attitude of a heart that desires to see our church become the light of the world and the salt of the earth as God intends it. Let's pray together.